the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Please welcome back to the program, Admiral Mike Mullen. You wouldn't think the nation's highest-ranking military officer would be a regular on The Daily Show. But in his final days as chairman, he's back for a third appearance. Do you have uh, plans for, for uh, relaxation? What do you do? No, my plan is to take a long winter's nap. <laughs> Last summer, Mullen recruited Stewart to visit the troops in Afghanistan. I was surprised, and I know you have a lot of respect for the, the fighting men and women, I was surprised that when we landed in, in Kandahar, uh, that you forced them to carry you around on a litter. Well, actually, that usually only happens once a trip. <laughs> so what do you get out of coming on this program? Well, I get uh, an opportunity to, to address an audience that uh, in, in many cases may not be overly familiar with the military and what we've been through. And it's been an opportunity with him to connect with a very popular guy who also can be a voice for uh, are men and women and, and their families, and, and he clearly is. But he's been, he's really been terrific. I thought I kicked really you guys did. out. Oh, there, he there he is. There he is. an important man, he has things to do. How did he do? Did he he, he do well? does great. All right. The man is charming. Well, not always. His staff says when he's tired, he can be grumpy. And with his schedule, he is frequently tired. See you guys. In addition to all the things you expect the president's chief military advisor to do, he is constantly trying to connect with wider audiences, going on daytime talk shows. The one country that has influence in Pyongyang is China, and so their leadership is absolutely critical. Appearing with Muppets. It's great to have you back in the Pentagon again. Ooh, we love it here. And you're looking pretty good. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. We're almost back, baby. <laughs> and traveling to campuses like the University of Miami to tell people what life is really like for soldiers and their families. So if I'm a 15-year-old boy or girl in that family, uh, and I was four or five when these wars started, my whole life in my family has been at war. That's never happened before. When he first started reaching out, he was shocked at how little people really know about the sacrifices the 1% of the population who serve are making. I was struck at how little they really did understand about what we've been through. The numbers of deployments, the stress on the families, the suicide rates. People who do understand, like retired Sergeant Jared Turner, who couldn't get the VA to pay for his surgery after being wounded in Iraq, frequently give him an earful. You got men and women and wives and kids, and they're suffering. We've got to do better, sir. Well, that's why I'm here. And in this kind of situation, you, as you said, you cannot move fast enough. Everyone agrees wounded soldiers deserve the best possible care. But the stand Mullen took on gays serving openly in uniform put him at odds with some of the top commanders. They were worried about its effect on readiness. He saw it differently. It's fundamentally an integrity issue. And it very, very, I, I can't reconcile, couldn't reconcile, that I could ask someone to come to work uh, and, and in certain places die for our country uh, on the one hand and then lie about who they were. Did it ever occur to you when you became chairman that you would end up being an agent of cultural change? No, not really. Not, not, no, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. I your full name. I'm Michael Glenn Mullen. In fact, it had never occurred to him that he would become chairman. 
He was planning to retire as Chief of Naval Operations until the day then Secretary of Defense Gates called him into his office. And within about, oh, I don't know, 30 seconds, uh, I could tell where he was going. And I, I, I sort of go into one of these slow motion, is this really happening uh, kind of uh, feelings. And why did he tell you he was turning to you? He, he spoke to me about something uh, I had said in which I felt that our army was uh, the center of gravity of our military, and he thought that was pretty significant coming from the Navy chief. An admiral suddenly thrust into the middle of two land wars, he immediately took off for Iraq and Afghanistan to see for himself. It was the fall of 2007. In Iraq, the battle was going full tilt. But what really alarmed him was Afghanistan. Notes taken by one of Mullen's aides record a sergeant saying he was seeing his men crumble under the stress of too much fighting with too little equipment. One commander said he needed 34 more helicopters. Mullen had to tell them there was nothing on the shelf for Afghanistan. Okay, good to see you. Hang in there. We were just limited on what we could send to Afghanistan based on uh, the priority uh, that the Iraq war uh, had at the time. When he became chairman, there were 165,000 U.S. troops in Iraq and just 25,000 in Afghanistan. Friday, when he stepped down as chairman, there were 40,000 troops in Iraq and 97,000 in Afghanistan. Well, good luck. David, thank you. I appreciate it. We'll see you over there. Take care. Have a good flight. It was Mullen who told the president he should send General Stanley McChrystal to Afghanistan, a recommendation which ran disastrously aground when McChrystal and his aides were quoted in Rolling Stone magazine as being disrespectful of their civilian leaders in Washington. When that article broke, um, he literally called me as I had it on my desk, and I was sick. I mean, literally sick to my stomach. Sick about what? Sick at the disrespect? Sick at uh, this was your guy? Uh, sick that, that our commander in Afghanistan was, from my perspective, immediately in jeopardy. I, I was stunned and I knew it was big trouble. The president fired McChrystal, one of the low points of Mullen's four years in office. This was the unquestioned high point, watching the raid that got bin Laden. I had um, extremely high confidence that we could execute the mission. You know, I went out and watched them rehearse. You watched a rehearsal of the raid? I did. Did you talk to them? I did. Yeah, I get to meet them all and look them in the eye. Were they confident? They were. After the raid, somebody in this room had to inform General Parvez Kiani, chief of Pakistan's army. So who gets to make the first call to Pakistan? Obviously because of my relationship with Kiani, I was the one that uh, made the call to him. And Was it tense? Angry? I'd just say difficult. Difficult? It was difficult. And it became more difficult when in his last testimony before Congress... The Akani Network, for one, acts as a veritable arm of Pakistan's internal services intelligence agency. Mullen said Pakistan's intelligence service, known as the ISI, had helped the Haqqani Network, one of the most violent factions in Afghanistan, pull off high-profile attacks like the one on the U.S. Embassy in Kabul. The ISI strategically has supported 
the county network for a significant period of time. The man who had worked hard at becoming Pakistan's best friend had finally had it with Pakistani double-dealing. One of the messages to Pakistan is what does it say when the interlocutor that has been closest to you over the last four years feels this strongly about where we are. In his four years as chairman, more than 2,000 Americans have been killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. You can't see it, but he wears a bracelet in memory of all the fallen. Uh, I've tried to keep that as close to me every single day, every waking moment. So it's a reminder to others, but it's also a reminder to myself. So you have the name of a specific soldier killed in, in battle? Right. A, uh, a young woman named Corporal Jessica Ellis, who died in May of 2008. She was a medic uh, with the 101st Airborne, blown up by an IED. Uh, she's buried in Section 60. We routinely uh, go by her grave. In one of his last official acts as chairman, Mullen and his wife Deborah planted a tree in Section 60, the part of Arlington National Cemetery where the dead from Iraq and Afghanistan lie buried. For me and for Deborah, there's no greater sacrifice or representation of these wars. And America needs to look that most difficult part in the eye and make conscious decisions that we will continue to do this.